Whether you are a brand new camper or you've been with us for every season, welcome. We're so happy to have you. If you like what you hear, there's a lot you can do about it. You can leave us a review, you can tell a friend, you can become a patron, which is sliding scale, so you can access bonus stuff for as little as a dollar a month, or you can get some truly unique and badass merch at our Tee Public store. I design most of them based off of vintage travel t-shirts, and I wear them constantly. All right, that's enough out of folksy ad copy, Katie. I'm in the mood for a ghost story. Happy spring. You're listening to Scary Stories from Camp Roanoke. My name is Katie Wiggins. I'm Morgan Campbell. And today is no different than our usual fun and happy and dark and spooky times. I swear to God, there were not leaves on the trees six days ago. Right. And then it just felt like overnight poof. Yeah. Blossoms everywhere. Even my indoor arrow garden is like, oh, Oh, it's spring. I can start growing. Oh, Oh, that's so sweet. That's delightful. My plants are ambivalent, as (laughs) usual. (laughs) Uh, But it's really beautiful. I walked outside today just for a little morning walk and to pick up some mail. Just any mail. (laughs) Whoever's mail, I see. (laughs) Daily sweep to see if I can snag any Amazon packages. And, um, And it was so gorgeous. Like, it was like 60 degrees Ugh, and lovely. just breezy and bright and beautiful. And I'm not usually one for conventionally attractive mm-hmm. days. Same. I'm usually more for like a, uh, an overcast and a, and a yes. kind of freaky yes. and daunting. But I, I, I'm shocked to see that I was, yeah, I was, I was fully taken in by this absolute calendar image of spring. It was really sweet. <laughs> All right, you mentioned that you had paranormal news. Let's come over the wire. <laughs> they stressed in. So there is this new movie on Netflix that I haven't watched yet, but I will, and I'll circle back with y'all when I do. It's called The Deep House, and I think it was made for me. It is a thriller slash supernatural movie in this like remote French lake. There's this perfectly preserved house underwater. So these people like scuba dive and go throughout this house and there's like ghost shit happening underwater in this perfectly preserved house, which is like one of my biggest fears is like underwater preserved things and what's going on in those waters. So it seems targeted for me. This is awesome. It looks fucked up. It does. The the trailer, y'all. I recommend to watch the trailer at the very least. It looks pretty good. This is awesome. It's targeting people with the underwater fears. Thank God. Finally. The representation. They have remained (laughs) unsatisfied for too long. You can't just watch the lady in black over and over to get your your bog or the woman in black. As much as I want to. Right. (laughs) Well, I'm thrilled for you. That sounds really fun. So I'm going to read you some ghost stories from one of my favorite books, Haunted Encounters, Real Life Stories of Supernatural Experiences. Yes. And I feel like the usage of the word supernatural indicates that this is a, a an antique. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a little old. 
Um, but it's just a collection of stories that people write in, sort of amateur writers, or uh, they write into these this collection. And um, and I like to sort of group them by theme because there are oh, yeah. so many stories in here. I I I make little notes on them, like you know, spooky car related, you know, something Hell like that, yeah. or Show like me the cover. Ugh, impeccable vibe. <laughs> it's like it uh. has like an Art Deco border <laughs> around it, and it's not centered, which really just infuriates me. The words "haunted encounters" are um have a left orientation and why? and i'm just like just center it just, just why did you put it in the we left this. <sighs> i love i love old ghost books there's such a vibe the kerning on this it's out of this it's insane that's like the space between letters it's just oh. it's it's all over the place too close too far it's <laughs> but luckily that's not what <laughs> This is That's not a, we'll this is not a lettering podcast yet, and um, That's our other one. So I'm I grouped stories this time based on a classic, spooky New England tales. Yes, I know that people might be tired of New England ghost stories, but really, are you? If you are, this is the wrong place to be. Be honest with yourself. <laughs> are you? Because I'm not. Mm-mm. I'm not done with it. I'm hungry for more. The Water Ghost of Number 35 by Michelle Porter. She says, Growing up in New England, I am familiar with ghostly tales of haunted houses, those old family homes still visited by their former occupants, many of whom did not leave this world in a manner entirely of their choosing. Life in old... Old New England was very harsh to those who settled here, and perhaps it was hardest on those who built their homes on the coast and made their living by the sea. In the early 1990s, I chose to rent a home in the seafaring port of Gloucester, Massachusetts. I lived on a street that used to be termed Captain's Row, a short street lined with three-story structures all similar in style. These were built at the turn of the century to house the families of the Gloucester fishermen, who mainly rented the dwellings within walking distance of the town's port. How does it feel to live my dream? (laughs) (laughs) Many of those men of the sea never came back, leaving their families to wonder and grieve. Ooh, how does it feel to live Morgan's dream? As with all the houses there, they had been converted into units of two or three apartments by the time I moved in. I was in the middle, second floor of number 35. I love that place! (laughs) Exclamation point. Bright and sunny, it had lots of charm, from the carefully chosen wallpaper and original wainscoting in the kitchen to the authentic nautical touches placed here and there. A ship's wheel framed the overhead light. How authentic! (laughs) Just like on a ship. (laughs) A wheel in the sky. I'm sure fishermen were so eager to dot their homes with remnants of their working life. Who wouldn't want to bring work home with them? And hang your light in it. (laughs) An electrified starboard lamp guided my outside steps, and a board washed from the sea indicated the house number. Oh, my God. I love beach people. (laughs) About three months after moving in, I was in the shower early one evening, rinsing the shampoo from my hair when the bathroom light went out. 
done. I fussed aloud. I've decided to give her a terrible Massachusetts accent. Because I can. (laughs) I've blown a fuse. There was enough light coming through the window so I could see the so I could see to finish up and get out of the water. Then I noticed that the kitchen light still shone underneath the bathroom door. Strange, I thought. A fuse would have darkened the entire side of the apartment, suspecting a friend might have come over and was playing a joke on me. I threw on my robe and opened the bathroom door with a hearty, ha ha, very funny. But no one answered me except my cat, who prowled her empty food dish, reminding me it was time for dinner. <laughs> I just love that her first instinct was, oh, someone's in my home playing a prank a on me. A friend probably broke in while I was showering and decided <laughs> to just flip the lights off, because that's what we do. Some people have that kind of relationship. Who? I've never met anyone who does anything like that. People love pranks. Life is too stressful already. Truly, we don't need any more nasty surprises. Mm-hmm. Prank me with a surprise, a nice gift. Prank me with money. Prank me with love. <laughs> <laughs> so the cat needs food. Oh yeah, hungry. So the light switch to the bath was located 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 outside the bathroom door about five feet up from the floor in the kitchen the light switch was in the off position i flicked it up and voila on went the bathroom light once again (laughs) all right then i looked down there was a puddle of water on the kitchen floor about two feet in diameter nearly perfectly round and not trickling off as it might have given that the kitchen floor had a gentle slope to it I wondered and mopped up the puddle. (laughs) That's odd. This water should be trickling sideways because the house is all fucked up. Over the course of the next few months, this happened time and time again. Same puddle on the floor in the same location as before. One evening in early June, this strange phenomenon occurred while a friend was in the living room watching TV. I told him about my encounters, and I think he thought I was just spinning a yarn. But now he was about to be faced with the indisputable facts. (gasps) Reeling from the kitchen, I asked him if he'd seen or heard anything that could account for the water on the floor. He replied that he had heard nothing unusual, that he just sat there while someone was dumping water on my kitchen floor. It's a ghost, honey. It's a ghost, Michelle. (laughs) You're just going to sit there and a ghost is going to flood my apartment? She thinks a person's doing this? I don't know what she thinks. she's not more concerned? She is oblique. Michelle is a mystery. A reflective silver mirror. You must have heard something, I almost demanded. (laughs) Slightly annoyed that he just sat there while someone was dumping water on my kitchen floor. I looked around, bewildered. Alex Trebek continued reading the answers on Jeopardy. The cat was curled up on the sofa. Everything was, quote, normal. Except for the fact that I'd experienced another bathroom blackout and the unexplained appearance of water that followed. My friend was as baffled as I was as we stared down at the puddle of water on the floor. Smell it, he suggested. I kneeled down (laughs) and put my face close to the puddle. (laughs) (laughs) Smells kind of salty, I said. He reached down, stuck his finger in the water, and put it in his mouth. Ah! This is seawater, he exclaimed, jumping back a bit, perhaps getting a little spooked. (laughs) I did the same, tasted it, and it was indeed (laughs) seawater. 
Why would she need to double confirm? Because Michelle doesn't trust her friends. They're the type of people that would burst in and pull the hilarious prank of flipping off the light mid-shower. My quote, saltwater ghost, paid me a visit on two occasions after that and then abruptly stopped. I remained at number 35 for four more years before moving again. I must say, though, that despite the inconvenience of a wet floor, I missed the presence and often wonder what was meant by it. Was it the spirit of some young man lost at sea? Did he come back to his home on Captain's Row, disturbed to find that it was now hacked into apartments and had indoor plumbing? Had his hands once gripped the wheel that now adorned my living room in the effort to navigate his vessel through rough New England seas? I would never have my answer. I said goodbye to my water spirit. Goodbye, <laughs> <laughs> water spirit. Goodbye, water spirit. <laughs> when I real Ah, just one more taste. <laughs> that's seawater i said goodbye to my water spirit when i realized it was gone wishing it a bon voyage and clear sail through the realm of the other world i love beach people oh michelle (laughs) i can't believe it just like Gave up on her and left. The end. <laughs> it's like these weirdos keep licking my salt water. Eventually, I had all my friends come over to take a lick. Salt water it was. <laughs> Sick prank. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a good one. You know, half the fun of these is just hearing from these absolute characters. Yes. Have I told you about my mom's one ghost experience? Uh, no. It was in New England. It was in Maine. We were, my dad was driving my grandparents and my mom and I back home from dinner, which my grandparents lived like in the middle of nowhere. So it was a long drive and it was dark and we drove past a really old cemetery. Mm-hmm. And my mom, because my dad can drive kind of crazy, was like, John, be careful. There's a man walking on the side of the road. And my dad's dad was like, yeah, watch out. He's like right there, whatever. And then they were like, he's wearing like a soldier's uniform. That's so weird. It's like really old timey. And we all turned around and he was just, he had vanished. And there was nothing around us but the cemetery in the woods. And she swears it was like a Union soldier that her and my grandpa both saw. That's so wild. Isn't that crazy? Yes. And she's like, that's the only ghost experience I've ever had. Right in front of a cemetery. I think I have. I think you have mentioned that story, but not with so much detail. That's wonderful. Yeah, isn't that cool? My mom's also only ghost experience happened in New England. Really? It's the place. So this one is called Friendly Ghosts. (laughs) After months of hunting for a multifamily property, my husband and I finally found our dream home. It was a huge Victorian built by a new Bedford whaling captain in 1863, but it had been converted to a four-family home. The cellar door had a painted skull and crossbones with the ominous message, This basement is haunted. love that let the people know we ignored the message (laughs) 
It was a dirt cellar, and in one corner was a huge mountain of dirt that looked like something Edgar Allan Poe would write about. That's so him. Nothing (laughs) scarier than dirt. Within 24 hours of moving in, the first incidents began to happen. The kitchen faucet would spontaneously turn on and off. My watch disappeared. Although I'm not the most organized person in the world, I always put my watch in the same place. I'm sure the baby just ran off with it. My husband reassured me. It'll turn up. It did turn up, in a way and time that made me realize that something very odd was going on in this house. It was 5 a.m., and I was the first to rise, as was my routine. I went to take a shower in the dark, silent house, and when I returned to my bedroom, there was my watch in the middle of the bedroom floor. It had not been there ten minutes earlier, and there was no one else awake in the house. That damn baby. Ah, the baby ran (laughs) off with it. Our keys began disappearing at frequent intervals, and although we recognized that sometimes it was due to absent-mindedness on our part, the frequency of the disappearances was out of the ordinary. On one particular occasion, my husband's set of keys disappeared. We searched high and low, somewhat frantically retracing his steps. The keys suddenly appeared on top of the toolbox, toolbox on his truck. What made this unsettling was that Dennis had opened the toolbox several times, to see if the keys had fallen inside. How could they suddenly be on top of the toolbox that had been repeatedly opened? A few weeks after we moved in, around 3 a.m., my husband left our bed for a couple of minutes, came back, and whispered in my ear, I could swear I just saw a dude going through our closet. (gasps) Sure, Dennis, I murmured. It's just the baby. Ah, it's just the baby rummaging. Sure, Dennis, I murmured, still more asleep than awake. I, I, let me give that another read. Sure, Dennis, I murmured, still more asleep than awake. I was sure he was also half asleep, or that there had been some trick of the light. (laughs) Yes, a rummaging light. The very next night, after everyone was in bed, I came into the bedroom and saw a man looking intently in the closet. Just as Dennis had described him, he was he was rummaging frantically and seemed very disturbed at not finding what he was looking for. He was wearing a brown business suit and was very tall, around 6'3 or so. His shoulders were broad and his legs were thin as twigs, appearing too thin to hold the solidness of his upper body. No sooner had I focused on this image than it was gone. A few days later, as I was making dinner, I strode across the kitchen and was about to open the refrigerator, when there at the side of the fridge stood the same man. We were face to face, so close that I could see the worry creases on his face, so close I could read the expression in his eyes. It was a pleading look, as if he wanted something from me. I was startled, but not frightened by his appearance, and didn't feel in any way threatened by him. Again, once I was able to focus, he disappeared. There was only one incident that made me wonder if there was a degree of danger from our ghosts. We had come to believe that there was more than one ghost, as we could often hear a baby crying. In fact, one of our tenants has also heard the baby crying. My younger daughter was barely over a year old when an odd thing occurred. And it wasn't her? I mean, she's a baby. She's she's, she's yeah. a year old. Is that no longer a baby? Kids are growing up faster and faster these days. <laughs> My younger daughter was barely over a year old when an odd thing occurred. She was standing in front of the front door looking up, as if at a child slightly bigger than she was. Rebecca, what are you looking at? I asked softly. 
She continued to stare at whatever she saw that I did not, when suddenly she rose about a foot off the ground as if someone had picked her up and then was tossed backwards against the hallway wall. She ran to me crying, and for the first time I felt a degree of uneasiness about our spiritual company. (laughs) As you should. Only a degree. A friend of mine had some time on her hands and began doing some research on my house. She learned some details about the whaling captain who had built the house, including that he had been married three times and had three children, and she provided me with his picture in his obituary. I was disappointed to realize that this was not the man I had seen. However, knowing his name and his background, my husband and I were able to find his grave in a neighborhood cemetery. To our astonishment, all three of his children died by the age of nine, and two died as babies. The longer we have lived there, the less often we see the ghost. For a period of time, both my husband and I would see his shadow sitting in the recliner in the middle of the night. But as time passed, the sightings became less frequent. We wonder if it requires some special energy on his part to make himself visible. More often now, there are only occasional attention-getting tactics that let us know we're not alone. Frequently, our closet door will swing open and close for several minutes at a time. (gasps) How obnoxious! Something's going on with that closet. Yeah. There were two other semi-disturbing incidents. One of the upstairs apartments became vacant and my husband was doing improvements when suddenly the bedroom door shut and he couldn't get it open for quite a while. Another time, we had a minor fire in our kitchen, and while Dennis and I were examining what was damaged, the crockpot suddenly hurled itself to the floor between us. (gasps) For the most part, we feel we can coexist happily with our ghosts. It adds charm to our home. (laughs) Not knowing for sure what may happen next. Ooh. Northeasterns are built different. They're like, that's just part of homeownership, baby. charm. I love having just an air of danger. A nice puddle you can lick. <laughs> constant door slamming. A nice salt water puddle I can just lick up when I need a pick-me-up. <laughs> Sweeter than candy, this stuff. <laughs> I would not be that. She seems very matter-of-fact, not stressed at all about ghosts being in her house. She doesn't give a shit. She does not care. It only caused her a degree of concern when she watched her one-year-old be lifted a foot off the ground and slammed into a hallway door. And even then she's like, hmm. Interesting. If this escalates, this could be a real problem. (laughs) Thank God nothing happened. (laughs) You know, this ghost might actually do something serious one of these days. I'll keep an eye on it. Does everybody get a bio? Oh, yeah. Do you want to hear the last one that I read? I do. <laughs> of course I do. Uh, I so Valerie Donsereau. Uh, this is what she looks like. She looks like a nice like 90s mom and her kid is dressed in a pumpkin costume. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh, dreams. Very sweet. I love that. This, it sort of gives the energy of like early America's Funniest Home Videos families. Yes. You're like, oh, I want to spend Thanksgiving with you guys. Everybody in yeah. their sweatshirts and their Reeboks and their, so their jeans. <laughs> yeah. Getting up to mischief. <laughs> A simpler time. <laughs> so Valerie grew up in the small southwestern Massachusetts town of Middleborough. And she graduated from Babs- Babson School for Financial Studies in 2001 and attends 
Bristol Community College, majoring in business management. I hope she's graduated by now. Um, She has dabbled in writing all her life and has also been published in True Confessions. Oh. What's your confession, Valerie? Yeah. That you're an unfit mother? Just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't judge you moms. I don't judge you moms. You let those ghosts pick up your kid. At least it's somebody doing it. Okay. <laughs> uh, she says, the incident oh. described in Friendly Ghost is not the first supernatural encounter she has had. There have been other sightings of light and sensations of presences, but this was the first time a ghost took human form. Her interest in psychic experiences began with her own mother's gift of ESP. God, I love I was... these old-timey paranormal terms. ESP. I was going to say... That makes sense why she's so, like, desensitized to it. Mm, that's a really good point. Another one clocked by Morgan. Mythbusted. <laughs> Nothing gets past You're me. You're like the mentalist. <laughs> she has always been fascinated with astrology, tarot, and mediums. She lives in New Bedford, Mass., with her husband, Dennis. Dennis. Every Dennis. husband in Massachusetts is named fucking Dennis. <laughs> oh, God. And he'll help you move. He's good for a oh, beer, too. He knows a guy. He's a funny guy. And two daughters, Bethany, 18, and Rebecca, 4. She enjoys the outdoors, particularly camping and gardening, and loves being with children. She values family above all else. <sighs> Unless there's a ghost. <laughs> Tango Familia, Valerie. Wonderful. I love that there's bios. That's so cute. I'll read you the bios for the next ones I read. So now you will hear of the ghost of Winthrop Hall by Sharon Love Cook. Ooh. (laughs) So the story has all the elements of a classic mystery. An oceanside mansion, a beautiful young wife, her sailor husband, a shipwreck. What remains is the ghost and its lonely vigil. But first, a little (laughs) record scratch. I bet you're wondering how we got here. But first, a little background information. My life's pretty crazy. In 1994, I was the editor of the campus newspaper at Endicott College, a school of 1,200 students located in Beverly, 20 miles north of Boston. With Halloween approaching, I needed some, quote, scary stories and didn't have to look very far, for it seemed everyone hated... (laughs) You're getting ahead of yourself, Wiggins. (laughs) For it seemed everyone had either heard or witnessed the ghost of Winthrop Hall. Among the many charms of Endicott College's seaside campus are its buildings, many of them historically significant. Winthrop Hall, a sprawling mansion perched above the Atlantic, serves as a dorm. I also went to a small New England cottage, cottage, I wish, college, outside of Boston with a tiny amount of students and weird buildings. I connect with you, Sharon Love. A Georgian mansion, it was named for John Winthrop, the first governor of Massachusetts, and is one of the oldest houses on Boston's North Shore. A dungeon lies under the library floor, its door concealed. Years ago, slaves escaping to Canada were hidden there. 
Well, that's oh. that's about the best story you could have relating to the enslaved. Is <laughs> yeah. like we helped them get free here and nothing else. Yeah, nothing else. The yeah. end. When I made inquiries about the ghost, I was told to speak to Denise, then director of student development. Uh, these people are always characters. She had reportedly seen the lady in blue, as the ghost was called. Nonetheless, when I contacted her, she was reluctant to talk about ghosts, and certainly not for the campus newspaper. In any event, before hanging up, she remarked, By the way, it's the lady in pink, not blue. (laughs) You know, I did a project, basically like a filmmaking class, a video production class when I was at that small New England college. Keep trying to call it a cottage. As much as I try to force my memory in that direction, it... (laughs) It's just not the truth. <laughs> it if was only. a prison-like dorm. Um, but uh, my bad. project was to to interview people on campus and professors and students that I knew about the ghosts at the college. And what? people were... Ba- I also experienced some level of reticence for people to actually really? talk about what they experienced. Um People like to not think about their experiences if they don't want it to be real. Well, the thing is, is that it's one thing to be like a 40 deep into a New England college dorm and to have someone be like, you know, I see ghosts. No, I really fucking do. I'll tell you about it. She, you want to know who has a ghost story? Fucking Le- Leslie, come here. She has a fucking ghost story. You know, that's a different thing when everybody's fucking dream. loose and smoking cigarettes constantly. Everybody's got a ghost story in New England oh. if they're at that level of yeah. <laughs> impairment. But the moment it's like morning and suddenly their accents are gone and it's the harsh light of day. <laughs> is eager to share and i'm like no no you remember what you told me at 3 a.m two days ago it's like i haven't stopped thinking about it since no no i was stone sober please repeat (laughs) so hilariously i also have experience doing what this woman woman did back to denise saying by the way it's the lady in pink not blue. With a deadline approaching, I reluctantly put the tale aside, although I never lost interest in the intriguing ghost tale. Five years later, while writing for a local newspaper, I decided to resume my investigation into the Winthrop Hall ghost and went straight to one of the earliest recorded sources. Eleanor Tupper, PhD, who founded Endicott College in 1939, wrote about the school's history in her book, Endicott and I, Cricket Press, 1985. I assume, out of print. Uh, Dr. Tupper, a no-nonsense professional with a strong Lutheran background, uh, lived at Winthrop Hall with her family (laughs) during her years as president. (laughs) Nightmare blunt rotation. (laughs) No-nonsense professional with a strong Lutheran background. Oh, real quick, my grandma went to that college. Are you kidding me? She went to Endicott. I had to check Facebook. I was like, I've heard that name before. And she went to Incot. Isn't that wild? That is absolutely crazy. She probably knows. <laughs> she might. She knows Winthrop Hall. Yeah. I'll have to ask her if she knows any stories or if she's like experienced anything. On page 63 of this, the Lutheran woman's book, she deals with the ghost in her characteristic head-on manner. Ugh. I'm so tired of Lutherans. <laughs> 
They started this mess. Would we be here if no one had posted on the walls <laughs> on the doors of the, of the Catholic Church? Should have left well enough alone. The students believed a legend that a beautiful lady dressed in blue came and went from the cellar area of Winthrop. Each year, some girls would see her. One incident occurred that gave our family pause. So this is um, Dr. Tupper writing. Mm-hmm. Our daughter, Priscilla, then seven years old, had never heard talk of ghosts. But one twilight, she sat alone on the Winthrop porch near the stairs leading to the lawn. As she tells it, a lady in blue rounded the corner from the north side of the house and moved along the porch and approached her. The image was clear, not transparent, and Priscilla was looking calmly at first, but then realized the lady had no legs and was unusually quiet. (laughs) Two things I don't care for in a guest. A quiet, legless woman. Well, you seem quiet and legless, frankly. (laughs) What a weird... I mean, yeah, you noticed that, I guess. Well, say something, miss, if you're going to stand there unsupported (laughs) as the lady floated closer priscilla beat a hasty retreat since then several students and a house mother have seen the unearthly visitor (laughs) that is the end of the excerpt from dr tupper perhaps the young girl in her fright had mistaken the dress color because those who are familiar with the ghost invariably say she is dressed in pink. You are mistaken, <laughs> child. On the other hand, maybe it is not so unusual for ghosts to have a change of wardrobe. <gasps> That's too far. I won't accept that. Mm-mm. I draw the line there. <laughs> they are pulling at the strings of some very old and accepted rules about ghostery. I bought some bullshit. Salty bottles? Yeah. Alpha change? I'll lick a puddle or two. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but changing clothes? Mm-mm. In purgatory? <laughs> in this climate? In this economy? Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> Liz Attilano, then director of the college's career center, enthusiastically discussed the pink lady, as she called her, with me. From 1981 to 8... Eight- <sighs> From 1981 to 83, Adelano was resident director of Winthrop Hall and thus knowledgeable about the old mansion's legends. According to Adelano, the ghost suffered from a broken heart. She said, Many years ago, the young mistress of the house would pace the wide veranda that faces the open sea, hoping to catch a glimpse of her husband, whose ship sailed past on its way to Salem Harbor. Legend claims that a storm arose and she witnessed his boat become shipwrecked upon the jagged rocks, not too far away from her porch. Heartbroken, she hung herself from the beams, leaving behind a ghost who walks the corridors of the house. Adelano claims that one of the ghost's trademark rituals involves a painting hanging in the foyer, a large landscape of a tree reflected in a pond. When the ghost is present, the painting is found upside down. Quote, I have seen the painting turned many, many times. Each time I heard her footsteps. Even when I was the only one in the building, I heard keys rattling. Students also reported seeing her, she said. Adelano never considered the Winthrop Hall ghost to be a threatening presence. It wasn't like the movies, she said. 
There were no moans and groans. She was never scary. I think she was there to welcome us. Pink ladies or pink elephants? A cynic would assume the latter. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, Al Cipriani, a former Beverly police officer and, at the time of our interview, a long-term employee in the maintenance department, had heard the rumors. While he never directly saw the ghost, he was aware of its presence while working at Winthrop Hall during the summer months when the college was closed. We were alone, working downstairs in the rec room, and we'd hear footsteps above us and on the stairs. The house was locked. There was no one but us in the building. It is no surprise that ghost stories should arise from the area in question. The land, after all, dates back to Puritan times and played an important part in the witch trials of neighboring Salem. The Endicott College Library Archives contain background information on the land surrounding the college. It was a crisp autumn day when I sat down with a bulging folder containing old faded records collected by local and college historians. Mm. That's the dream. What a perfect, perfect sentence. Right? (laughs) A folder just bursting. What I learned helped explain the ghost story in terms of the area from which it evolved, particularly the woods behind Endicott College. On maps, both old and current, this area is called Witch's Woods, named for those accused of witchcraft years ago in nearby Salem. Many tortured individuals sought shelter within the dark, dense woods. One historian writes, The woods were thought to be haunted. Around that time, the daughter of wealthy landowner John King, who lived at Thistlewold, the estate that is now Winthrop Hall, told a fantastic story. In the company of her maid and her cousin, she went up to Witch's Wood for a picnic. Though they'd visited the spot for years, when it was time to go when it was time to go home, they got lost. According to the young girl's account, they suddenly came upon a ridge and looked down and beheld an old colonial farmhouse, which they approached to get directions home. However, when they neared the house, it would disappear. (gasps) They finally returned home, confused and frightened. And that information is from the archives of Endicott College from 19... Collected, I suppose, in 1962. Because the kings were respected in the community, the story was widely reported. (laughs) Well, that's gossip for you. Very respectful. (laughs) I would never tell this if they weren't such a respected family. But they went through some crazy shit in witches' woods. Because the kings were respected in the community, the story was widely reported. (laughs) While the stories are captivating, I wanted an eyewitness account from a living, breathing person. And after making inquiries, I was told to get in touch with Beverly resident Sally King, who was Endicott's dean of students from 1971 to 79. Upon hearing of my mission, King was delighted to talk about the ghost. In fact... She was emphatic in her account. Apparently, while serving as dean of the college, she was invited to a Halloween party hosted by a group of students living at Winthrop Hall. It was late afternoon when King, accompanied by Barbara Decker, the college's registrar, arrived at Winthrop Hall and was directed downstairs to the recreation room. Ugh, but that's old as hell. And while they were enjoying the refreshments and Halloween decorations... Oh, look there. (laughs) <laughs> They've carved into the pumpkin. Wasn't that clever? <laughs> well, I quite enjoy that. Would you look at that? Corn made out of candy. What will they think of next? <laughs> I mean, honestly, my brain resets every Halloween. I'm like, <gasps> a bat? 
Really? In the house? I can't believe they did that. <laughs> Isn't this creative? They put the orange and the black next to each other in a in a striped like fashion. Well, I I I I I I I'm just overwhelmed. <laughs> I don't know what it is with us. I don't know. It feels like everybody sort of gets stuck on like one portion of the calendar. For most people, it's Christmas. Yeah. But for Mm -hmm. some of us, there's just some glitch when we like first experience Halloween and we're like, oh, this will bring me happiness just looking at stuff related to this for the rest of my life. Yeah. This is it forever. This has never changed and it will never change. It will only get worse. Okay. While they were enjoying the refreshments and Halloween decorations, their attention was diverted. King remembers the incident distinctly. She said, I swear to God, it was a ghost, an apparition, coming down the stairs. All of a sudden, there it was, wearing a pink dress. Both women witnessed the vision. It wasn't tangible. It was as if it was made of smoke. Everyone always says that. Although every detail was perfectly clear, King adds, it was the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. Cool. It was a dark and cloudy December afternoon when I visited Winthrop Hall. The students were away on winter break, leaving me free to roam the building. Before dropping me off with the house key, a security guard reminded me that I'd be alone in the house. That's what I want, I said with a jaunty wave. (laughs) I stood outside for a long time, looking up at the stucco exterior and red-tiled roof. Finally, it was time to explore. In the foyer, I spotted the legendary painting of the tree and its reflection, and then slowly climbed the stairs to the third floor. I found the light switch and walked down the long corridor, past students' doors hung with holiday decorations. A tall window at the end of the corridor offered a thin winter light. I stood before it, gazing down at the long veranda where Eleanor Tupper's daughter had spotted the ghost. The The jagged rocks that dotted the cove jutted out from a flat gray sea. The view was the same unchanged that the house's occupants had observed over the long years. While thinking of past occupants, I became aware of a distant tinkling, the sound of chimes, bells, or keys. The vast house suddenly felt smaller, and I had the impression that I was not alone. I glanced around for a light switch, but it was at the other end of the corridor that suddenly seemed very long indeed. Uh-oh. Chiding myself for having an overactive imagination... I started walking down the corridor, my steps getting faster, as I passed the row of doors. Upon reaching the stairs, I took them two at a time until I reached the bottom in the foyer. Foyer. I gotta be consistent with my pronunciations. Before slamming the front door behind me, I glimpsed the painting hanging upside down. <gasps> cool! As I scurried up the road, I turned for a final hasty look. A curtain in the window upstairs moved. I wondered, was it a draft? I didn't wait to find out. What? You're you're safely away. I love that there's no, is it, is it not? It gives you an indicator of if it's active. That's so cool. It is. 
So let's hear about Sharon Love, <gasps> her description. Yes. So this is what she looks like. Ideal. That. Yep. Good. Perfect. She is a blonde, tan, middle-aged woman. She's got like a mm, smile. A new, I've worked with many of her. A New England smile, which is like a <laughs> head tilted back grimace. <laughs> and she... <laughs> that sound. <laughs> her description reads, Sharon Love Cook has an MFA in writing from Bennington College and a BS in communications from Salem State. <laughs> Go SS. Oh, no. Never mind. She is currently completing work on her mystery novel, Death <gasps> Ends a Midlife Crisis. <laughs> That's the title. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> I hope it got published. Me too. Over the years, she has written columns, mostly humorous, for local newspapers, as well as created cartoons and illustrations. Oh, I want to do that. Her work has appeared in publications such as Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine, Yankee Magazine, and Orchard Review. Oh, fuck. She made it into Orchard Review. Hey! God, what I wouldn't give. She has a studio at the historical, though not haunted, Blackburn Building in Gloucester and lives in Beverly, Massachusetts with her husband, Oliver, dog Chester, and cat Edith. She knows how to pick an animal name, I'm telling you. And for now, those are going to be all of the New England tales that I give oh, you from Haunted Encounters, real life stories great of supernatural experiences. Is well it? Well done. Those are so good. Oh, it's one of my favorite ghost books. Oh, classics. I'm trying to think of which my favorite is. It might be The Puddle. <laughs> I might like The Puddle the best, just because it's so ridiculous, and the ghosts like left without accomplishing anything. Do ghosts ever accomplish anything? Do we ever accomplish anything? Tune in next week <laughs> to find out. If we accomplish anything. If life has meaning. <laughs> we will tell you next week, absolutely. All right, guys, that's it for now. So great. I hope we offered you an hour of fun and comfort, and most importantly, company. Have a spooky night. Up with restless dreams. Of haunted New England <laughs> things. Taste this puddle, guy. It's salt water. Bye. Bye. Sweeter than candy, this stuff.